0: Walk without footprints, breathe without breath, our lives leave no trace. welcome you to Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ethan Maestri. And I'm Ryan (laughs) Omazako. That you are, sir. This is Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. Each episode, we take an episode of Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda, and we look at it for the things that we like, dislike, things that we appreciate, and we discuss it. Talk it over. Don't we, Ryan?
1: I we sure do, and this week we got the lepers' kiss. Y-
0: yeah, yeah, we do. Um, an interesting episode. Um, what do you think about it? Oh, I think we can wait for that to oh, the. Uh, can I pause? Can we pause for just a second? What What are you doing, man? I'm
1: I'm getting into character for our opening bit. In, into care. <laughs> You know, oh, the, um, the leprechaun. You know, the 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 kiss of the Irish. You know, I hey, kiss me, I'm Irish. Kiss you know. i yeah, yeah, you know, know yeah. yeah,
0: you know. That's not what the,
1: this episode's about, right? The we're doing the leper's kiss, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, leper. But, so that's like short for leprechaun. And the, I the kiss me, I'm Irish. I kind
0: I kind of think you missed the point of the episode. I, I think it's about something else, and your bit i think might not exactly fit. You're saying the bit doesn't fit? Y- you understand we're we're not actually talking about leprechauns, right? We're leper's kiss. Leper is referring to the <sighs> disease, right?
1: Um, um yeah. Yeah, I know. Are, are we on the same page now? Yeah, it was I you was joking. So? <laughs> Where are you now? <laughs> yeah, it's an old Irish joke.
0: It is. It is. I, I get where you're coming from. I just. I, I wanted to make sure we were on the same page with this episode.
1: Yeah, I think we should start uh, looking at each other's notes before we record.
0: Might be helpful. Okay. Not going to happen. But no.
1: <laughs> we will learn nothing from this.
0: Yes, this is true. Anyway, as I mentioned, this is Drive Back the Night, and this is The Leper's Kiss that we're discussing, the seventh episode of the third season. So, why don't we get started, Ryan? Let's okay. get into it. Okay. I've got a little bit of trivia for this one. Okay. I love let me? to hear it. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. Take the green shirt off. Okay. For one. All right. Because that's a lot of green, man. I know. That went all out. How did you grow a red beard? You, I, it, <laughs> I've got a little red in there naturally. A little red naturally. Yeah. Mm. And they've dipped it in some Kool Aid. Yeah. In all seriousness, the leper's kiss. Uh, a little bit of uh, trivia we've got for our. Uh, guest actors, and we had several of them for this episode. We had uh, the character of Sasha, and she is played by Sarah Deakins. Um, She's appeared in many of the regular shows that we mention in trivia, The Outer Limits, Stargate SG-1. I thought it was interesting that she appeared around the same time that she was in Andromeda. She also appeared in The Chris Isaac Show in an episode called Home Fries. (laughs) <laughs> Can you imagine that? It was actually Home Fries. It, that's the name of the episode. It <laughs> was Home Fries. Wow. So I thought that was a little humorous. And or as we like to
1: say, Home,
0: home
2: Fries! fries! Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. So I, I thought i mentioned that one here. Uh, also, Stargate Atlantis. She appeared in an episode of the rebooted Battlestar Galactica. And I thought it was interesting because she's listed in uh, with an episode that's in pre-production for 2018. Uh The Jack Ryan television series. I didn't know there was going to be a Jack Ryan TV series. Mm -mm. I didn't. I don't know who's running it. Who's picked that up? I hope it comes to Netflix or Hulu because I like me some. uh, I like me some Tom Clancy. Mm -hmm. So
1: yeah, well, see, that's why we have
0: trivia. Yeah, exactly. And that. uh, So we'll we'll keep an eye out for Sarah Deakins in the Jack Ryan television series whenever that airs. We also have the. character of crescent and this was played by michael hogan and now for anyone that watches sci-fi or pays attention to popular culture uh, i'm sure this man is probably familiar to you he's that guy that was in that thing exactly Mm -hmm. that is exactly who this is michael hogan now he began his career in the late 70s and can you believe it or not he was in lost
1: can you believe that i'm not surprised um I would like to look that up and see exactly who he was. He oh, didn't, I'm sorry, he didn't it make mention.
0: Lost the 1986 Canadian made-for-TV movie. That's that lost. Oh, so it must have been
1: something good.
0: <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> he went there, folks. He went there. Uh, of course, he's had stints on the television series Millennium and The Outer Limits. He's really became wild, widely popular uh, amongst uh, Canadian television, and so. Um, he had a lot of roles in the nineties and then we come to the two thousands and he became most popular, at least from my perspective. Um, I came to know him as Colonel Saul Ty in the rebooted Battlestar Galactica series. Um, he was in quite a number of those episodes that ran for what, almost five years. Um, so we really got to see Michael Hogan uh, in that role and he, he was quite good at it. Um, not just your standard, uh, number one, um, like we're used to seeing with a Riker or a Spock or something like that. I mean, he actually, he had a, a really meaty role to play in that series. And I, I always have thought that he did an excellent job with it. And so it's great to be able to see him here in Andromeda. He continues on uh, with his career in several spinoff projects. Of course, he's been a re- reoccurring character in the Fargo television series. And 12 Monkeys, most recently. Uh, additionally, and this was interesting to me also, he played Commander Armando Bailey in the Mass Effect series of video games of the uh, mid to late, well, late uh, 2000s. And he also played, for you Skyrim fans, he was General Tullius in that game series as well. Bodie Gunyon is our next character that we come to. This was played by A.C. Peterson. His first credited role is in a 1985 made-for-TV movie called Murder in Space. Mm. And I just love the title. Mm -hmm. Right there, we just include him in the genre, just for that fact. Uh, Honestly, A.C. Peterson has been in so many television shows through the 80s and into the 90s and the 2000s. Really, it's too many to list. Um, basically everything that I've ever listed in trivia as a television show that's e- anywhere close to the genre, yeah, he's been in it. Hmm. Just just mark mark it the, the mark the box because he's been there.
1: What about the commish? He
0: has not been in the commish. Hmm. That you you found the one thing <laughs> that I did not see a credit for. Good for you, sir. Yep. Point to Ryan. Of late, he has made appearances as Mister Y. In the current run, current run being 2018, mm-hmm. of the X-Files series that's, uh, that's currently in production and being aired currently. And then finally, we have Marshall Moncaloop, and he's played by Greg Keene. Uh, he's appeared in everything from Dark Angel to The Twilight Zone, Smallville, and even the most recent uh, Flash television series. He has also appeared in films like The Big Year. Do you remember that show?
1: That no, movie? I don't think I do uh,
0: Steve Martin um, One of the uh, uh, What do they call him You know, the guy with the, uh, the broken nose That always appears in all the Ben Stiller movies Oh, uh, Owen Wilson well, Owen Wilson, there you go uh, Owen Wilson, uh, Steve Martin And Jack Black This movie where they were looking for birds They were doing bird watching <laughs> I, I, right. I saw the movie like f- Probably five, six years ago and and it was actually a good movie. I thought it was I thought it was quite entertaining. It's weird. I don't even remember that coming out. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, so the Big Year is one of the movie credits that he has. Also, Big Eyes from mm-hmm. just a couple of years ago mm-hmm. with uh, a- Amy Adams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he was in that movie as well. And that's what i got for trivia. Okay. Ryan, I understand it. You have a summary, and hopefully, it doesn't have leprechauns in it.
1: Hold on. Let me do some rewriting. Pause. I'm ready. Okay.
0: (laughs) Ryan, why don't you give us the summary of The Leper's Kiss?
1: Okay. The Leprechaun. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot. The Leper's Kiss. Dylan receives a super top secret holophone call that even Rami can't eavesdrop on. It's high-ranking Commonwealth official and Dylan's old buddy, Marshal Mankalupe, whom he has somehow been able to keep secret from all of us this whole time. After some brief reminiscing of singing and bar fights, Moncalupé has a secret mission for Dylan. They have received intel that the Leper, a notorious and extremely accomplished assassin, is coming to his planet, Lundmark, to assassinate him in a few days. But of course, it's all extremely top secret, which doesn't set well with Becca and Tyr, who accompany Dylan on his secret mission. First stop, Cassius Drift to find their contact. Dylan pretends to be working for the leper and interviews candidates for a job. He picks the girl, who immediately attacks him upon hire. He is able to overpower her and reveals that she is in fact the leper's sister and takes her aboard the Maru. Here's what we find out about the girl. Her name is Sasha, and she is on a quest to destroy her brother, the leper, after finding out that he was the one responsible for their entire family's death as a contract killing for one of their father's enemies. She cozies up to Dylan pretty quick, which he doesn't rebuff, but remains cautious. Their first attempt at reaching Lundmark fails, as they are met by ships that attack immediately, and they are forced to retreat. Sasha says she knows of a back way, and someone that can navigate them through the treacherous Dragon's Breath nebula. She takes them to Gunyan's private prison, where they bust out Crescent, one of her brother's former associates, who successfully takes them through the nebula and safely to Lundmark. Upon landing, Dylan continues to become increasingly suspicious of Sasha, and tells her and Crescent to wait on the Maru while they go to stop the leper. Sasha agrees as long as she knows that Dylan is going to kill her brother. After Dylan leaves the Maru with Tyr and Becca, he reveals to them that he believes she is the leper, and waits to see if she exits the Maru to further substantiate his suspicion, which she does along with Crescent. When they split up, Dylan follows Sasha, while Tyr and Becca confront Crescent, but he is shot in the back before they get any information out of him. Dylan has witnessed Sasha construct her special gun from her jewelry, which confirms all of his suspicions. She is the leper. He confronts her. She points the gun at him, but doesn't shoot. Becca calls Dylan. Sasha gets spooked and runs. From a high vantage point, Sasha finds her target. But just before she can pull the trigger, Dylan stuns her with his force lance. She is apprehended and taken into custody to a commonwealth prison, but not before one last leper's kiss. Back on the ship, Tyr brings a message to Dylan that Sasha has escaped and she must have had help. Dylan suspects from her brother. The end. Very good, Ryan. A lot of detail in there. Was there? It seemed like.
0: It seemed like we've been a little... uh, sparing mm-hmm. in our in our summaries of late, mm-hmm. uh, and then we we kind of flush out the details as we discuss the the particular episode that we we are discussing. Uh, it seemed like you had a lot more detail in that one.
1: I think there was a lot more left out. <laughs> Possibly so. Mm-hmm.
0: There's a reason why I'm bringing this up, but right. I'm going to save it until later. <laughs> All right. To to make the point, to drive the point home. Okay. So put a pin in that.
1: You put a pin in it. You brought it up. <laughs> it's, oh, I have to write it down? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I'll,
0: I'll remember to do that later. I
1: think I, I'm, I might know where you're going with that, though, okay. and I might be right on the same <laughs> okay. line of thinking. We'll, we'll so. see.
0: Okay. We'll, we'll compare notes right. at the end of this episode. Okay. All right. Uh, no, my first thing I want to bring up is, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad Dylan's got a friend outside of Andromeda. Mm-hmm. Where did this guy come from? Who is he? Mm-hmm. And how did he have time for all these adventures that they've been going on? Honestly, yeah. I'm asking, I, I mean, it's, yeah, where's this dude, Marshall, my, um, you said Mancalupe? Manca yeah. Mm-hmm. Mancalupe. Uh, I think I said Mancalupe.
1: You did. It's all right. I let it go.
0: Okay. Thank you. Uh-huh.
1: Um, yeah, man, it, it, let,
0: let's, let's analyze our time <laughs> with Andromeda. Uh-huh. How much time does he have to really have all of these different adventures with this guy?
1: I really don't know. And the other thing that puzzles me is that nobody else really seems to know about it either. Because they're all talking about him like, who is this guy? You know, oh, this bigwig in the Commonwealth. He's done all of these things. None of them said... Oh, yeah, it's a guy that Dylan hangs out with all the time.
0: Here's the thing. We always rewrite the episodes, right? Mm-hmm. How we could, how you could have made this a little easier to yeah. accept. Oh, don't right? get ahead of
1: me. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry. I'm just sitting here thinking. It's like, it's like, why why was there not a line of Becca saying, oh, so that's why he was gone that one time. Or, Or this is where he disappears off to. Mm-hmm. This is who he's hanging out with. There's nothing like that. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, this is a guy. And he's had, you know, all these adventures with them. Mm-hmm. Accept it. Move on.
1: <laughs> right. It's, it, with that, that conversation that they were having uh, toward the end, uh, he talks about them being locked in jail together. They spent the night. They didn't pull rank. I got to say, I'm really disappointed in Dylan for that because he had the perfect opportunity of something that I have always wanted to do. Dylan Hunt could have stood up and said, do you realize who I am? And in
0: response, the guards would have said, no,
1: no, we, we is, have no respect for you. This whatsoever. Is the Commonwealth. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We've already forgotten about you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. It may not have worked. Uh, you mentioned the drift. What was it? Cassian drift? It was Cassius drift. Cassius drift. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was
0: going to say, whoa, did we yeah. get a little bit of a star Wars reference? But no. Okay. Um, Not that it would have mattered because Totally different decades. But mm-hmm. anyway, <laughs> so the guy in Cassius Drift walks by, looks at Tear, gives him the side eye, mm-hmm. and says, Nietzschean, in a very contemptible voice. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm just wondering, how does he know?
1: Yeah, I, I know. I was wondering the same thing.
0: No bone blades. Mm-hmm. So how, how does the guy know he's Nietzschean? Do they have an odor about them? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe, maybe it, maybe if, it is maybe they, do, maybe they have a, con- there's yeah. a musk about them. If they them. do, it must be the most pleasant smelling odor. It, it's got to be because only the best for Nietzsche, right? it, exactly. Yeah. It's like
0: Chanel number five mm-hmm. coming from their pores. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I did notice that, and it almost looked like Tier kind of got self conscious about where his bone blades used to be because he kind of he kind of tucked a little bit. Did he draw in just a just little? a little bit? Huh. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I just, I, I thought, wow, that guy's either really good, or, or what, what What? does that say about humanity? <laughs> <laughs> that that hu- Humanity has just let themselves go to the point to where if you see a really buff guy, you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, yeah, Nietzschean. Yeah. I know that speaks volumes about <laughs> my health and fitness. <laughs>
1: uh, I want to talk about Crescent for a minute yeah let's do it okay because we have another show we talk a lot about um on age of geek podcast yeah we talk a lot about uh well one of the things we talk about video games yes we do i'm kind of thinking crescent is a gamer how do you figure well i think he he is a gamer maybe plays lots of different games maybe some space simulation i wouldn't be surprised but i think he plays madden (laughs) because when they're going through the dragon's breath nebula he yells juke right juke right (laughs) yes he does and that sounds like a video game move that's definitely a madden move yeah yeah
0: yeah Mm -hmm. just throw that stick over Mm because that's yeah no it makes perfect sense
1: yeah
0: uh when a woman takes the time to tell you i'm not playing you um you're being played yeah that was just a simple observation that I made right there. That's a—that's not so much an observation. It is an observation. It's a lesson that I've learned mm-hmm. from from this television show.
1: Yeah. The, uh, what was his name? Gunyan's Prison. I got a couple things.
0: Don't step on my toes, man, because that's where I'm going next. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, go, though. We'll, we'll see okay. what happens here.
1: All right. Uh, I want to talk about Gunyan himself, first okay, of all. Okay, let, let's do that as a villain or as a foil but for the purposes of this discussion let's say as a villain Mm -hmm. what a great maniacal villain laugh isn't it though dude that's like in the
0: top 10 villain laughs Mm -hmm. he's gotta be up there yep he's got to be up there that was I was impressed yeah Mm -hmm. no it it, okay first watch through I'm like where did that come from (laughs) And then on subsequent watches, I was waiting for that laugh to come up uh, on the audio, because it's great. Mm -hmm. It is great. Yeah, I did like Gunyan's laugh. Uh, You had another point. Let me inject this one first, and Mm -hmm. maybe we're going the same direction with it. I am so glad to see that uh, Gunyan's prison guards went to the same gunnery school as the Empire Stormtroopers.
1: (laughs) That good, huh? They're that good. Wow.
0: Yeah, you put some red shirts in the room. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a crapshoot. It's a fifty fifty either
1: way. That reminds me of a joke. Can I tell a joke? Tell a joke. Okay. Uh, what happens when you put a stormtrooper and a red shirt in the room together? Yeah, I I, didn't, I don't know. The stormtrooper misses every shot, but the red shirt dies anyway.
0: <laughs> uh yes. This is true. This is true. But 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 gunyans. Uh, guards in the room
1: with the two of them anything could happen Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) the guards when when dylan says yeah you might want to not stand there or i'm paraphrasing yeah i like how instead of moving back they put their faces closer (laughs) to the thing that's (laughs) about to explode (laughs) yes these guys they're making minimum wage Um, oh you know it what's
0: you know it they're only there for the room and board yeah Basically,
1: um, about Gunyan, Gunyan himself, or actually I should say not Gunyan himself, but Gunyan the hologram. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just got to ask, how many times do you try to shoot the hologram before you realize this isn't doing anything? Even after the hologram says, I'm just a hologram. I,
0: I, I, I loved, I love the part, the, I love the fact that Gunyan does draw attention to the fact that he is a hologram. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great, but mm-hmm. from the moment he appears, you know he's not actually there. Mm-hmm. So why take a pot shot at it to begin with?
1: Yeah, and why continue to take <laughs> pot shots after <laughs> yeah. you realize the bullets are going through him? After he acknowledges that, hey, I'm just a hologram. You're yeah. no wasting bullets. Yeah, Is is there but just I'm, that much angst? I'm going to try a couple more times, though. Yeah.
0: It's got to be there's just that much angst.
1: I guess so. Yeah. If you hate enough, the bullets will even kill the hologram. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, toward the end, of the end of the episode, we get Marshall uh, Mancalupe. I'm going to go with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you, You've set the bar, so I'm going to go with that. Okay. Uh, Marshall is on the stand, on the lectern, and he's uh, addressing his constituents, or constituency, whatever mm-hmm. whatever the word is for that. Um and you just get that briefest moment of audio of what he's actually saying. I mean he's doing a lot of he's doing a lot of talking mm-hmm. and you hear it in the background. And then they focus for a moment on him at the lectern and he says audibly where you can hear, let me tell you this about that. And then it cuts away and you don't get to hear the rest of what he's talking about.
1: <laughs> can can I can I finish the next go? Curry, for it. Or you're I'm gonna step on your toes again.
0: No, go for it. In Vietnam, <laughs> I wasn't going there. Oh, okay. But that's, very okay. that's very good. That's very good. That's that's a good way to finish that thought. Okay, I. It just comes back to that thought that I expressed in the last episode that we discussed, where how generic can we be in our our dialogue? Mm-hmm. You know, or, or what? No, it was a couple episodes back where we talked about he's going to have an anti-proton problem, right? right? Mm-hmm. Just just that general. We're not going to put enough thought into making this sound. Intelligence, <laughs> right? And here, well, we've got, he's a politician, so we've got to have him saying something. So when we focus in on him, let's have him say, let me tell you this about that. <laughs> it just struck me as just something completely generic that, yeah, it allowed us to have a couple of extra seconds of video and audio. That contributes absolutely nothing to the story mm-hmm. whatsoever. I just thought that was an interesting observation.
1: I'd like to get a hold of a, an isolated track and listen to the whole speech.
0: Yeah, because, like I said, there's a lot of, he's talking a mm-hmm. lot
1: in the background.
0: And, and I, yeah, now that you say that, mm-hmm. I would really like to go back and hear what all he actually says.
1: He's probably just reading a Sears catalog <laughs> or something.
0: <laughs> so, so, um, the narrative scene. With the woman in bed. With the leper. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, he's standing at the window afterward. Um, pretty sure that those curtains are made out of bubble wrap. Oh, yeah? Did you did you, not? No, I didn't. I don't know mm-hmm. why I noticed. Maybe because I've seen this episode probably five times now. Mm. in In preparation for the show. And we have had to put it off <laughs> several weeks. And I have watched it in preparation each week. So yeah, I think I'm up to five on the tally, hmm. and I think it was probably the fourth time through. I finally noticed that the uh, the curtains are made out of bubble bubble wrap, hmm. uh, and finally uh, the security the security unit on Marshall's planet. Did you happen to notice their uniforms?
1: No, I didn't.
0: Okay, apparently gray wife beaters and leather do rags. <laughs> oh, talk nice. about talk about minimum wage. <laughs> yeah. And and little effort no body armor whatsoever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh wife beaters and do rags. That was the uh that was the security unit's uniforms. Hm. Uh, I'm thinking I'm thinking maybe if it's actually run by did we establish is Marshall ex high guard or high guard somehow?
1: Mm, no, not High Guard. He's uh, he's a a commonwealth official. He's okay. he's like next in line for to be okay. for the triumph. I guess
0: I guess I'm just projecting. Since he's mm-hmm. Dylan's friend and they spent so much time around each other, I'm just thinking he's like it feels like he's an old high guard okay. friend.
1: Yeah, I think he must be because Dylan did make the point you sound like a politician now. Yes.
2: Yeah.
0: Yes. That's I I I remember that point. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking if that's the case, he probably could have spent a little bit more on security for his security. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, that's what I've got for observations. Well, why
1: spend all the money on security when you can just call Dylan and say, hey, you got my back?
0: That's true, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, which is exactly what yeah. he does, and that's why we have this episode. Yeah. Okay, Ryan, that's enough for our observations about the episode. Let's actually get into the meat of it. Okay. And let's look at uh, what this episode has actually taught us about our characters, um, our guest characters, and even about the world of Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda itself.
1: Okay. Uh, one thing, I'm going to start this off pretty light, something that's really not that consequential but it was just something, it was extremely brief, may even be considered throwaway, but it got my attention, so it's just something I want to bring up. Uh, when Sasha is talking to him about betrayal there's always that betrayal coming and it's the one you least expect, the one you least suspect that hurts the most for a very fleeting moment Dylan has a look in his eye and I gotta think Dylan's thinking about Rade when she says that and to me it was just it was a very neat acting moment for Kevin Sorbo at that moment because I don't know if there was anything written in the script for him to do that but it's just definitely a very natural reaction because that's something that man that's a nerve you got to know that's a nerve for Dylan, and so for for Kevin Sorbo to be able to pick up on that, something so subtle, probably very few people, if anybody else besides me, even noticed. But I, I, just, I was going to say I didn't notice it myself. Mm-hmm. So now that you're bringing it up, yeah, it makes mm-hmm. sense. There was just something there that I saw. I appreciated it. I liked it. So I wanted to kind of give old Sorbo a, a shout out for that. Yeah, I appreciated that. No, that's. That is uh, that is cool.
0: It also kind of maybe explains why he is so interested in Sasha as a character and why he just so doggedly pursues. I mean, it's his friend that's involved, so he has to, but yeah, I hadn't even thought about that aspect of it at, at how it, how it may affect him personally, mm-hmm. just based on what he has gone through in the past with, like you said, with Rade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting interesting perspective that I hadn't uh, given attention to uh, in any of the watch-throughs that I've been through. I would like to address this whole um, need-to-know thing. Mm-hmm. Do you have notes on that? <laughs> it's the very first thing on my list. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Let's talk about it then. Okay. Uh, because really, how'd you feel about it? This okay. whole need-to-know thing that Dylan goes through through this episode. Um,
1: Yeah... I- Okay, my note on this this is, is there no room for discretion? Um, Moncalupe tells him, you know what, if there's something that somebody absolutely has to know, you know, and I'm going to trust you on that, but basically this really needs to to stay secret except for need to know. I mean, isn't that up to Dylan on what they need to know? Yeah,
0: that's what I'm thinking. And
1: he starts out the whole thing saying... I tell my crew everything. Mm-hmm. They need to know everything. Right. Okay. Maybe, maybe they don't need to tell Harper everything. <laughs> Trance probably already knows everything. True. But
0: uh, Becca definitely needs to know. Yeah. Uh they have they have Tear going along. He needs to know what's going on. hmm Those three or two that are going along with Dylan, they've got to know. Mm-hmm. And yet Dylan keeps them in the dark. Mm-hmm especially early on and, and really throughout uh, until the very end when you find out who the leper is. He doesn't reveal it until it's basically all said and done,
2: mm-hmm.
0: what he, he thinks he knows. Mm-hmm. I, I just... I had a real problem with just the the decision to, to keep everyone in the dark mm-hmm. you know, based on the need-to-know basis. It, it seemed... I don't know. I guess... <laughs> Maybe I'm projecting. I'm watching this episode, and I'm thinking back to to my watch through of The Last Jedi. <laughs> Star, to bring a little Star Wars into this discussion. You know, there was that whole issue that, well, you and I discussed on another episode.
1: Oh, is this spoilers? Uh, it
0: is spoilers, yeah. Okay. But, but the whole need-to-know thing comes into play with that, that particular movie. And so the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, you know what? Just tell them. Mm-hmm. Just tell them what's going on. And, and everyone can work together as a team. Right. I, I don't know. I just had I had a real problem with the way Dylan holds back. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand it's his friend, and his friend wants him to exercise some discretion. But I don't see where, where the harm is in bring bringing your whole team on board with how you're going to help protect your friend. Mm-hmm. I, I just I don't know. I didn't agree with that whole premise uh, throughout most of this episode.
1: I think he just took it too far. Um, I ultimately, I think it's just, and I'm going to have to qualify this because I don't believe it, but (laughs) I'm thinking plot device. Yeah. But it's really not. Well, uh, okay. If that's, if that's the plot device, it's weak. Yeah, it is. That, and that's why I'm saying, I'm going to say it, but I don't really believe it. Yeah. Um, I believe it was in the sense that that's why they wrote it that way, but I don't believe it because, like you just said, because it's weak. There's, there's really nothing in there that is a big reveal that is just a bombshell. That had we known that from the beginning, it would have ruined the episode. Except that
0: uh, here's the other thing that I think adds to the argument of it just being weak it's, it's, how, does, how does Dylan know? That the leper is Sasha. How does he know in the interviews that Sasha is the the assassin that they're, that they're looking for? Mm-hmm. He just, boom, just drops it uh, out of thin air. How does he make that decision that she's the one and then she instantly attacks him? There were a lot of things about this plot. And because they were using need to know to keep not just Becca and Tyr, but the audience in the dark. Mm-hmm. Because they were using that as, as a way to tell the story, it actually, you know, we're really talking about how we felt about the episode and not so much about um, what we learn about the universe. So so let me look at it from from that perspective. Dylan is an incredible sleuth,
1: and I don't understand how mm-hmm. he is that good yeah. at, at deduction. Well, I like to think that he's working on Intel. That's how he knew to go to Cassius Drift. That's how he knew to pose as as being in the employ of the leper to try to recruit uh, gangsters or or criminals to, to, to take on a job. And then once he finds Sasha, he knows to reveal her as the leper's sister. I think he already went there knowing that he was going to find what he was supposed to believe to be the leper's sister. Okay. But that's the need to know part where we're left in the dark. Exactly. We don't know yeah, so we, how so all we, of that came about. Right. We mm-hmm. just have
0: it dropped on us mm-hmm. and the plot moves on mm-hmm. instantly. Right. And I don't know. I didn't, I didn't feel like I was brought along with it. Okay. Maybe I, I wasn't supposed to be brought along because it was need to know. i mm-hmm. I've just... I guess that's the thing. I'm just complaining about the fact that I was left in the dark and I didn't put the pieces together Mm -hmm. until after it was all said and done. Mm -hmm.
1: Tyr has a little bit of a, uh, I don't know if I want to say introspective moment, at least not on purpose. Um, But he's talking about how someone can be an assassin at the level of someone like the leper. And he says, you can't have any attachments, um, you know, whether family or, emotional attachments financial uh, responsibilities and attachments and things like that um nothing that you can fear to lose so basically they're like jedi right yeah okay yeah uh, dylan makes the comment to becca we're still talking about the leper right <laughs> because he's totally talking about himself yes and not just himself but just mercenaries in general if you want to be that good if you want to be able to perform at that high of a level, you basically gotta have a Jedi kind of outlook on life where you can't have anything holding you down that you can that that you fear to lose. Yeah. That's the level that the leper plays, and that's the level that Tear plays. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of thought that's interesting. We're getting a little bit of Tear's own take on someone like himself yeah but i mean but the question though is does sasha have attachment and and maybe we'll come back around to that later because i do have some more sasha discussion um let me just let that hang there okay does sasha have attachment is there something that she fears to lose
0: Do we want to move on from that and come back to it? I think so, yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll let that marinate for a second. Okay.
1: I'm just going to bring up the
0: point. So it seems that it's not just Dylan and crew that have been fighting for the establishment of the New Systems Commonwealth. I mean, we make fun of the fact that Dylan goes off and has these adventures with Marshall, Mm -hmm. his friend. Mm -hmm. But it very much sounds like they've had adventures together in which they were doing something to establish the new systems commonwealth. And that kind of raised the question in my head is, is Dylan really alone in what he's been doing? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: It, I kind of think not. Mm -hmm. I kind of think in, in my, I don't know, my head cannon. Now I'm starting to think people were observing what Dylan was doing and that motivated them to stand up and, and start, trying to carve out some, so maybe it wasn't just Dylan alone that has carved out this 50 worlds and, and more so probably now by this point that have joined a, a common goal of having good leadership or good government within the the galaxies. And I don't, I, I don't know that just it, it is as much fun as we make of, of Marshall and and how much time they've spent together, it kind of makes sense that there would be these other people that would stand up and that would be heroes. And I like to think that maybe there is more of that throughout the New Systems Commonwealth, more than people just hanging on every word and every deed that Dylan Hunt says and does. Until they don't. Until they don't, exactly, <laughs> yeah, which is kind of the ongoing issue. Mm-hmm. But there again, maybe that gives us some insight as, t- as to why the the government of the New Systems Commonwealth is able to kind of marginalize Dylan Hunt. Because you apparently have others that are standing up as well, that could be leaders uh, within this government. Mm-hmm.
1: It makes the uh, universe bigger. It does, yeah. And not just the, the universe, but also... I'm kind of wondering about the timeline of events too, because we kind of, we tend to think of this as being a week to week thing. Yeah. If we, if we look at this based on the episodes that we have seen so far this season, basically we're really only seven weeks into the new systems Commonwealth.
0: Don't draw attention. Don't look at the man behind the curtain.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can't help it. It's what I I do. I know. Um, I mean, so we're, we're less than two months. Yeah And When was Dylan hanging out with Marshall Was that back before The Commonwealth was actually ratified Or has there been a significant amount of time Since the season premiere Of season 3 To this point now
0: Yeah the, the, that was the summer That was the summer in between the last episode of season 2 And the first episode of season That's when their friendship started And they had all these adventures <laughs>
1: yeah i'm just like two
0: and a half months gonna
1: have to three go months. ahead and disagree with you on <laughs> that one because remember what was happening between the season finale and the season premiere of season three? Oh,
0: it was only like five minutes yeah between those two it was a cliffhanger i mean yeah. it was
1: boom boom even though the two stories were completely unrelated to each other yeah you're right but still that's what we're supposed to believe there is it's just boom boom all kind of one thing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's a systems commonwealth and they're treating oh, Dylan like crap.
0: Wait, did I say off season between two and three? I yeah. mean, between one and two. No, that's mm-mm, not going to work either. No. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know when it happens. Yeah. I don't know when it happens. That's, that is the kind of, that is the frustrating thing about the timeline and, mm-hmm. and how this show is written and how we're supposed to... Because, I mean... It's hard not to think that way. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to ask the question, when did he have time to do this? Mm-hmm.
1: The precedent has been set because it's at the end of season two that they say, we've been doing this for two years. Now, maybe there's a little bit of leeway for, uh, for inflation there of the timeline, because you're talking about the beginning of season one, which is going to be in the fall, to the end of season two, which is going to be in the spring, mm-hmm. so there you've got three or four months that you can fill in there through the run of seasons one and two. If,
0: if you're looking at it week to week, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying yeah. you just no, you're you right. Just,
1: you just kind of intermingle those extra four months in there. Yeah, during that two years to make it a full two years. Yeah.
0: So, so yeah, you've got some time in that. I
1: think so. Okay. I think these are these are the the weeks of the episodes that we don't see, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that wasn't an episode to see Dylan get drunk in a bar and sing <laughs> Irish folk tunes and get thrown into jail. You know, yeah. I mean, we've seen plenty of of jail and prison that, episodes. That's season five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't get ahead. I'm sorry. No spoilers. I'm sorry. No spoilers. Yeah. yeah. My bad. <clears> oh. <throat> uh, um, can I take this a little bit further? Go for because it. it's kind of because this really is a good segue into my next note. Anyway, um, we had to talk about this again—the Commonwealth. Oh, gosh. okay. All right. I told you last time. Just, get just that sound bite. Just clip on, it. Hold on. Okay. Let me cut and paste that. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, so now it's not just Dylan. So we've we've got Mancalupe. Who he knows that there's a threat against his life, a very credible threat, one that he is is sure it's imminent, right? Yeah. Who does he contact to help him with this? His best friend. It's Dylan, yeah. right? It's not the Commonwealth. <laughs> yeah. Dylan even asks him, "Well, what did the Commonwealth have to say about this?" And he's like, "Sorry about yeah. you." Yeah. <laughs> he's like, "I'm not taking this to them." Yeah. I he, mean, so he knows too. He's it, this is this is a guy who is up for um being in the triumvirate he's going to be one of the highest officials of this government and he doesn't trust it yeah man i mean i'm just saying it what? says it,
0: it does it says yeah. a lot it says a lot about the commonwealth and what it can do mm-hmm. to protect its people
1: mm-hmm. it can't or what it refuses to do yeah
0: yeah or yeah. Well, yeah that's that's the, the other way of looking or at it whether too.
1: it just flat out betrays them
0: right so did did we ever establish who hired him who hired the leper to to take marshall out
1: um we never really get that do we mm, i think you know what let's just go ahead and go there that's that's the next point in the discussion okay um my note here is sasha's game question mark yeah okay because it seems like there's a there are a lot of things going on with sasha that i'm I consider myself to be a fairly intelligent individual. Individual. Even though I can't say... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you're having a rough time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I I consider myself to be a fairly intelligent individual. But I'm having trouble figuring out what's going on with Sasha. It seems like there's a lot of doublespeak, a lot of just, just things that aren't quite adding up. Yeah. You already kind of pointed on it who was it that hired sasha or the leper let me say yeah the leper yeah because that's another point all Mm -hmm. right so who was it that hired the leper to assassinate Moncalupe? we don't know no okay um there's a a a great youtube channel a series card um how it should have ended i know that you're a fan of this (laughs) yes yes i am there's a great Hishy for this. <laughs> okay? When Dylan finds her at Cassius Drift, she just kills him and Tyr and Becca. <laughs> and then go and, Episode then goes about, over.
0: and then goes about her mission.
1: What is what is her game? Yeah. Why does she go ahead and go on the Maru with them mm-hmm. and take them through this whole journey knowing full well that she's the one that's going to commit the assassination? Yeah. And it's it's like she's just trying to throw them off the trail the whole time. It's not like she doesn't
0: have the money for a ride.
1: See, because that's what I was thinking. Like, does she just need the ride? Does she just need them to get to Crescent so that he can... Why do they need... Why do they have to go to the back door anyway? Right. I mean, this is... (laughs) Why why can't... why, Why do they get attacked the second they drop out of Slipstream in this system? Yeah, it's Marshall's Planet. Can, can they not get him in? Yeah. he. Can, hey, they're with me. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. They're my security because I don't trust these guys. Yeah.
0: And, or, or and, and if there is a, because as I understood it, there was a, there's a, there's a faction or something that, that is attacking people coming to that planet. Do they not have a space force that could specifically escort Dylan to the planet so that they could help him out?
1: Well, maybe... Maybe Moncalupe asked he requested one from the Commonwealth and they said no.
0: Or maybe he does have one, but
1: it's only need to know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, but- I'm already starting to get a headache here. <laughs> but but I'm just yeah. yeah. So just to bring it back around, what is Sasha's game here? Why does she continue on with this whole charade? When she could have just she's definitely a capable fighter. She she threw the fight in the bar. Yeah. She could have just taken them all out. She had the element of surprise. She could have taken them all out, skipped out of there, gone and done what she needed to do. She clearly knew that Dylan was coming. Yeah. How did she know? We don't know. Need to know. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Okay. But she just plays along with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just really having a hard time understanding.
0: The only only thing I can think of at this point is that she just needed somebody to go along with her. Dupes Mm -hmm. for her to play along with in order to get Crescent out. But then again, you come back right back around to why did they need to sneak in? There had to have been other options besides sneaking out a basically incompetent individual to to try and get them in and, and all he can do is say juke right, right. juke <laughs> juke juke whatever <laughs> right
1: um okay let's go ahead and go with that okay. let's say okay. let's say she needed the maru to get to crescent okay okay even still once they get crescent out do away with the maru's crew she doesn't need yeah. them anymore yeah now she's got crescent she's got a ship he can take her. And unless Crescent No, he can fly. He's a pilot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was getting ready to say maybe he needed Becca to fly, but no, he was a smuggler. He can no, fly. Yeah, he's good. He's good. Okay. Man. I I don't I and Sasha just she messed
0: up. The, she Who who was it that said after they leave the ship? Dylan says Sasha and Crescent they're going you're going to stay on the ship mm-hmm. and they leave. It's Becca. Becca mm-hmm. says you're just going to leave them on the ship. Mm-hmm. And I'm asking the same question. Why it made no sense. Mm-hmm. If Dylan does not trust Sasha or Crescent, mm-hmm. why is he going to leave them alone? He has to know they're going to they're going to come and try and take take him out. I guess that's the only thing.
1: He- that actually i didn't have a problem with really to me it that made sense because he doesn't want to tip his hand that he suspects that she is the leper okay so i mean dylan spells it out he says we're gonna leave them alone if they leave the ship she's a leper
0: yes but she's also a very capable and very smart individual and could rig the ship to blow up or whatever you know i mean i'm, I'm just yeah. saying it leaving her alone on the ship unmonitored was just an unwarranted gamble i would think
1: yeah you know for for an assassin that is so squeaky clean as the leper is reputed to be she made a lot of mistakes <laughs> yes she did a ton of mistakes yeah I don't know. I think, you know, reputations get exaggerated. So then, the question that I want to ask then really is: because she did make so so many mistakes, what was her undoing? Was it just Dylan? Did did she just from the start just totally fall for Dylan?
0: Yes. I I don't think we need to discuss that any further because that's gonna that is gonna impact our discussion of what we thought of this episode. Okay. But yes. I feel like I, Like I said I've watched it About five times Okay And that's really All I can come away with Is she did fall for Dylan mm-hmm. For whatever reason That we don't understand mm-hmm.
1: Well they don't even Agree on it She says Because <laughs> Because I you, You're you not afraid Of death And he says No I just had faith That we were going to win Yeah Basically Yeah um, I do want to do That The last kiss the leper's kiss at the very end Mm -hmm. just a question for dylan why what are you doing this is an assassin she just tried to kill one of your best friends you had to stun her and now she's being taken off to to jail i I would ask
0: the question okay i i would i would ask this question okay Did Dylan fall for her? But I can't. Because at the end of this episode, we we see, plainly, he did not fall for her. Mm. Or do you disagree with me?
1: Not entirely. You know what? Uh, It's like I said in my summary. She's getting super cozy with him. He doesn't rebuff it, but he stays cautious. Yeah. Okay? I think he was... Open to the idea of starting something up with her. And then once he realized just who she was, he was still far enough away to... Okay, so you... uh, let's, Let's
0: backpedal just a little bit. All right. You don't think that when he took her on at Cassius Drift, he didn't already know that she was a leper? You think he really felt like she was the leper's sister?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You feel like that's how, that's what he actually played. yeah
1: that's what I think happened I think it was in their, their in the conversations of- um she says things that start to make him suspicious like knowing the location of the hotel and he's like okay yeah how do you know about that right
0: okay mm-hmm. okay that, all right so when yeah now that you bring that up yes that does make sense because mm-hmm.
1: so it just it kind of okay. seems like there starts to be a dialogue of uh, well first of all he starts asking the question are you playing me?" Yeah. You know, or well, he doesn't ask that, but she just I'm she not, says I'm, I'm not, not playing. playing you, which oh, uh, red flags. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, now I just think that through the course of the trip, his suspicions just start to grow and become more evident to him that something's not jiving. Yeah. With what she's saying here. Yeah.
0: And and on a lot of men, a lot of men would go ahead and fall anyway. Mm-hmm. And. I'm sure there's been a lot of shows and movies about that sort of thing. But yeah, what you said earlier about Dylan having in mind what happened with Rade Mm -hmm. makes absolute perfect sense as to that being a barrier that would have just come down, I feel like, would have come down earlier in the episode (laughs) Mm -hmm. rather than going ahead and going through with that last kiss Mm -hmm. there at the end. And and I totally get what you're saying. Why would you do that? Mm Mm-hmm unless unless Dylan Hunt really is just a stone cold killer
1: <laughs> you know
0: and, and is able to to do that mm-hmm. but be like yeah we're
1: good here mm-hmm. i can move on dang yeah <laughs> no it really is though it it's it is a really good question that i don't have an answer to because i I do believe that she was fallen for him. Totally. Yeah, I, I kind of got that impression, too. And even that last kiss, as she's being carted off to to the paddy wagon, I mean, she's the one that lays the kiss on him. Mm-hmm. But again, he just lets it happen. He yeah. just takes it all in. You know? I mean,
2: yeah.
1: I, I just think that a Dylan Hunt that's in that situation that has not been fooled and has not been taken in by her charms is going to be like, what are you thinking? <laughs> don't you have somewhere to go? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. So yeah, I don't know. I think that at least on some level, he was falling for her. Okay, it seems reasonable. Um, it, at least from what I saw on screen, it seems reasonable. Yeah, the Dylan, punt, the Dylan Hunt that I know. It doesn't seem reasonable. Right, right. It doesn't exactly jive. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, is that enough about what we've learned about our characters? Mm -hmm. Do you have any other points you want to consider
1: with that? Hmm. You know, I'm not sure if this is something that you were talking about that is for later, but it kind of goes back to Sasha's whole game and her story still, but just the relationship between her and her brother. And then... What Dylan lays out at the very end, which we don't know if that's true, about her brother breaking her out of jail.
0: I'm guessing this would be a this will be a great episode in like season four or five.
1: Maybe we'll have to wait and see. Okay. Yeah. Um. Or not. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> but yeah, I, I. But I. I just kind of wonder though. Is that just part of the deception? The story of her brother, her brother being the leper, is her brother actually the leper? And she's just an accomplice? I mean, I I, I don't think so. I, yeah, I want to think that she's the leper right now because she is the one with the fancy gun. Yeah. And she was the one that was going to pull the trigger.
0: And she laid out all the details that nobody could possibly know. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But is her brother still in the picture? And was that whole story about how much she hates her brother... Is that...
0: Okay, so it's just Dylan. Yeah, all right. So she gives the story of her brother, right? Mm-hmm. That's the sob story that yeah. she gives. Um And, and a great premise. Mm-hmm. A good premise, I will say. It kind of tried to make you feel for her mm-hmm. a little bit, if that was actually true. Mm-hmm. But we don't know if it's true or not. Mm-hmm. It, it could just totally be a sham. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it's Dylan that makes the assumption mm-hmm. that it was her brother that broke her out. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have to be the case. It could be a former lover or a friend, mm-hmm. or uh, an associate mm-hmm. that uh, that comes and rescues her.
1: Not Crescent, because he's dead. <laughs> That's true. <laughs>
0: yeah, that um, is true.
1: And I wanted to know why in the world would Crescent go with her in the first place? Because if she's so squeaky clean, never leaves a trace, never leaves any evidence ever, no witnesses. Oh, his death warrant was signed. How does he have any any inkling of a thought that he's getting out of this alive? Yeah. Yeah, no. Bad move on Crescent. Stupid 56-and-a-half-year-old man.
0: He seemed a little spacey anyway. I mean, honestly, he didn't really help them out getting in. He just said, go that direction and and, and juke. Juke.
1: Right. Juke, spin, (laughs) spin move. Exactly. So, I mean, that's all. Strafe. There you go. Yeah.
0: So, I I just, I don't think he had a thought in his head as to exactly how this was going to turn out. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of the impression that yeah. I have.
1: and I'm guessing Gunyan didn't get the credit for uh, the kill since since that's the true. leper didn't die,
0: that's true. So he's gonna be upset about that,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're Dylan, you're looking over your shoulder for both the leper and Gunyan, and Gunyan, mm-hmm. yeah, that hologram's coming for him, mm-hmm. you better shoot it, yeah.
0: All right, Ryan, well, let's let's pivot that over from this. Over to that. <laughs> that being uh-huh. a quote. Did we have a quote for this one? We do. We do have a quote. Let's go. Let's go with that.
1: Walk without footprints. Breathe without breath. Our lives leave no trace. That is the motto of the Assassins Guild. Commonwealth Year thirty four fifty five.
0: Yeah, the the first thought that comes to my mind is that would that would be something you would see at the beginning of an Assassin's Creed game. Mhm. <laughs> um no, it's it's very ninja. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very ninja sounding, very mysterious sounding deal. Mhm.
1: Yeah. For, for some reason when you read the very first two lines, I'm getting a very Gollum kind of a feel. Gollum, you have to explain that to me the riddles in the cave from the hobbit oh (laughs) okay (laughs) i don't know just very jr tolkien pacing i I get it yeah. yeah um you know i when i saw this quote come up at the very beginning of the episode knowing what the episode was already i thought you know what totally appropriate for this episode yeah yeah there's definitely not any kind of meaning Deep meaning that you can that you can try to glean from this and say, what does this really tell us about the universe or about what's to come? It, it's, it's pretty on the head. Yeah, except that. I, and, and I guess that's that's where that quote
0: is kind of driven home for this episode, because Sasha almost forgets that quote. She almost, I mean, we talked about it. She made several mistakes throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. She stumbles yeah. when it comes to that particular quote. She she almost makes the decision to give it up and to, to make a life. I mean, it it did very much feel like she was falling for Dylan and that she could have stepped out of that role uh, as an assassin and perhaps almost saw something different for herself. But she still, she couldn't give it up there at the end. Mm-hmm. All right, so yeah, let's, let's go away from the quote then, and let's wrap it up, Ryan. The Leper's Kiss. Mm-hmm. Not about leprechauns. No. And thank no. goodness you shaved, because that was a little freakish. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. Um, the Leper's Kiss, what, what did you think? How did you feel
1: about this episode? <sighs> you know what? I'm just going to start the whole thing off by saying this is a throwaway episode. We don't need it. We don't learn anything in this that we really need going forward that I can think of, and I've seen the whole thing all the way through. Um, Was it entertaining? Mildly. Did it make sense? Not even a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, a scale of 1 to 10, I don't know, I'm probably going to have to put this maybe about a a three, a low three maybe is, is pretty weak, but it's not so terrible that you can't, that Wait, you can't three, three out of what, five, Huh? three out of
0: five or three out of 10, 10. Oh,
1: wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a great episode. It, there are tons of holes. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but at the same time, it's also, it's not like lava and rockets or anything like that. Or. <laughs> it's it's not the uh, prince we you know we chuckle, we chuckle. <laughs> i mean it's it's definitely not a strong episode but it's not the worst episode of andromeda that we have seen to this point so i'm just maybe three was a little harsh i'm I'm not gonna say a low three i'm gonna say a high three can i i'm gonna amend it that 3.8 you go yeah. you're going 3.8 yeah All i'm right. gonna go 3.8 okay. 3.8 yeah nice uh, or you know what? In honor of this episode being episode seven, I'm going to go three, seven, three point seven. Mm-hmm. Nice. They can only get better from here.
0: Okay. Okay. That's optimistic. Yep. Let me go. Let me go with my original notes that I wrote probably after. I think this was after the second time I watched the episode. Okay. I'm going to read this. This is what I wrote down. This episode works hard to build tension and suspense. It uses plot twists and elements of surprise, but it isn't done well. It feels weak. She escapes with her brother's help. Who cares? At no point am I solidly invested to even give a care about anyone outside of Dylan and the crew. Mm -hmm. That's what I wrote down
2: Mm
0: -hmm. on, on my initial notes. Here's the weird thing that's happened since I have now watched it three subsequent times in in preparations for for discussing this episode, I have some weird appreciation for this episode. I don't know how it has brainwashed me (laughs) to the point to where I actually am slightly entertained by
1: it. It's the leprechauns, man. I
0: don't know. It's weird. And and I, I don't... You know, darn Hogan... I, I love I love Crescent's character because it's that innocent, not innocent, but it's that oblivious nature that he does so well <laughs> in this episode. I like that character. Uh, I hate Sasha. I, I cannot stand the character of Sasha at no point, even after watching it five times, do I even remotely believe that she's anywhere close to being a redeemable human being. I almost wish we do get an episode later on where she comes back and gets her just desserts, because I just I just did not like her character at all. But darn it, if I didn't like Crescent and Gunyan both as over the top as Bun Bunyan, yeah, <laughs> as over the top as 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 he is. Um, gosh, I really like both those characters. I I really. I really would like to see them more actually in the series, and I know it can't happen because they're they're guest actors, and they would go on to bigger and better things
1: and Crescent's dead
0: and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in this universe, definitely mm-hmm. Crescent is dead, so yeah I, I don't know i I kind of like this episode, just for the simple fact that I've seen it so many times now, <laughs> I feel like I have to justify the fact that I've seen it so many times now, all right, all right. <laughs> But honestly, if if you if you get me down to it, I, I'm right there with you. It, it is it is a throwaway episode. You you hit the nail on the head with it. And yeah, I'm putting it at a three and four. Mm-hmm. Three four. Somewhere somewhere it's a moving scale. Um if you haven't watched this episode and you're listening to this Drive Back the Night, I'm gonna give you a pass. You're you're okay to skip this one and move on. Just be forewarned, I think there's some worse things yet to come.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm not going to necessarily, and give this episode my endorsement, but I'm not. I wouldn't say don't watch it. Um, you know, a lot of the things that I said as far as for why it was a bad app, bad for why it was a bad episode. Um, to me, they. It's valid, and it holds true, but remember, I also said it was not a terrible episode to watch it was It was mildly entertaining is if you yeah, don't if you don't think about it too okay. much, and that's what we do here on this show, yeah, is we break it down and we analyze it so much, and maybe something like that kind of ruins it mm-hmm. but I remember coming into this episode thinking. This is going to be one of those terrible episodes from season three, and and I didn't and it, and I didn't it's feel not that so way. bad.
0: Yeah, it's not so bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know I'm I'm right there with you because I I felt that way the first time I watched it. I was just like, oh gosh, I have to find good things to say about it initially, and then I'm going to rip this thing apart. And three, four, five watches later, I'm like, yeah, you know. We should we should feel fortunate that we got yet another episode of Andromeda to be able to watch. <laughs> and that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, yeah, it, it's it's not a great episode, but I've mellowed in it, with any kind of angst toward it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's bad.
1: Can we? Yeah. (laughs) Can we just? Can we put it there then? That it's. Yeah. It's bad, but it's not that bad. But it's not that bad. Okay. Yeah.
0: No, that's that's a good way to leave it. Okay. I feel like that's a good way to end the show. I can settle with that. All right. Very
1: good. But anyway, that's just what we thought. We'd love to hear what you think, out there, listeners. So why don't you uh, write in and let us know what you think about this episode or episodes we have done in the past, episodes we will do in the future because we will get to them. Uh, or if you just want to sh- send us a line and say, hey, that'd be cool, too. Ethan, how could they do that? That
0: would be awesome, by the way. Just to get a, just to get an email from, from friends and listeners out there just to say, yeah, we're still listening. Yep. Drive Back the Night podcast at gmail.com is where you can send said emails.
1: We are also on the social media, Facebook and Twitter, at AndromedaPod, on both of those locations. We're on Podbean, that's our home, andromedaseries.podbean.com, and we do have a tip jar there. We're not asking, we're just saying. And if you listen to us on iTunes, definitely
0: give us a review, some stars, we certainly appreciate that. I also wanted to mention, you can find our RSS feed on the Podbean page, so if you're not using iTunes, if you're using any kind of other podcatcher, and you can inject an RSS in there, that's where you'll find it, is on
1: Podbean. That's true. That's how I download us. That's why I mention it. Good thanks to our big friend, Doug Anderson, for lending us his voice talent for the opening quote of this episode, and many of our episodes as well. We are an Age of Geek production. Hey, you know what? Those guys are doing things again over there. Absolutely. Over there at the Age of Geek podcast. Give them some stars in a review, too. Yeah. They're pretty good guys. Well, one of the the main guest panelists, he's pretty awesome, the host, he's kind of a tool, but... And we hope that you will join us back here again next time as we consider the episode For Whom the Bell Tolls. For Whom the Bell Tolls. ACDC. Wait, no, that's Metallica. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was getting ready to say Metallica, and then you said ACDC, and I was like, I don't know music. (laughs) (laughs) It's Metallica. I got it.